church said? Amen. Amen. Preacher said, you count your many blessings. Appreciate you singing that song for us this morning, and y'all sounded great today. We have some visitors back with us. I see some that have been here a few times, and uh, we're glad that you're back. Uh, you probably uh, um, are wondering if this guy is as crazy as he is, and maybe you've come back to see that, but uh, I've been called worse, so just hang in there. God is good. You know, here we are in another Thanksgiving week. I don't need to tell you that. Went to Walmart yesterday and, oh man. And it's just like, I mean, are we going to run out of food or what? And I don't care. Just throw in the basket, honey. It was kind of funny there yesterday. Uh, you know, it's another week uh, marked on our calendars that most of us love until we step on the scales the following day. Anybody with me? Kind of rough. We take long naps and watch too much football in our. Wives tell us it's time to hang the Christmas lights. Um, however, each of us, uh, we know we're to be thankful every day of our lives. We're, in Scripture, it t- teaches us that we're to be thankful in all circumstances, which is it, it's difficult for the best of us. Uh, really, it is. It's difficult in that process. But we know that God's Word is true. Amen? And we know that we are to find something in that process. And counting our blessings allows us to do that. We're going to talk a little bit about that today as we get started here. My mom always told us as kids growing up, uh, she would tell me, she would say, son, we may be poor, but we will be clean and we will share with others the blessings that God has given us. My mom always made sure of that. She was a great example, Mr. Much, especially on Thanksgiving and all the times that we spent together. We spent it uh, normally now with the Rankies and or the uh, Rogers family, and we appreciate them and built great memories with them and thank them so much. If any of you are traveling, they say 54 million of us are going to be traveling this coming weekend, and I pray that if you are traveling, you and your family will be safe and come back to us safe and have a great time, eat a lot of turkey, and don't bring me home any. I don't care. <clears throat> I don't know if you knew this or not, for something for fun I think gets started off is that there's this... Um, there's this 1-800-Butterball hotline. I don't know if you knew that. Anybody know that? This is the truth now. This is the truth. You can call, actually, if you've got a problem with the bird or the person cooking the bird, you can call the 1-800-Hotline number, Butterball hotline. Now, many people do this every year. Now, this, these, these are true stories. I want to just share a few with you as we get started this morning. Here's one. The caller calls in and says, the family dog bit off a big piece of the turkey. Can the rest of it be saved? Here's the answer. Maybe. The less your guests know, the better. (laughs) Oh, they get better. Trust me. Here we go. Here's one. The family dog is inside the turkey. That's right. The family dog is inside of the turkey and can't get out. What what do they call that when you put different... Never mind. Um... This was a chihuahua actually crawled inside of the bird while the owner's back was turned for way too long, apparently. The opening was big enough for the dog to get in and not to get out, kind of like a fish trap, I guess. And the turkey expert instructed the owner how to enlarge the opening without injuring the dog. No word on whether the bird was eaten or not. Isn't that amazing? Here's another one. I need to drive two hours, and I think this person lives in Minnesota. I need to, I need to uh, drive two hours with a frozen turkey before I cook it. Will it be safe and stay, stay frozen if I tie it to the luggage rack on the top of my roof? <laughs> if you live in Minnesota, the answer is yes. If you live in Florida, Arizona, or Hawaii, the answer is no. A couple more. You guys are laughing good, so I'll give them continue on. 
Now, this one was either a, either a newlywed and or certainly, I hope, the first turkey that she ever tried to prepare. And I say she, but, you know, okay. It, it, the caller calls in and says, I scrubbed the raw turkey with a toothbrush dipped in bleach for three hours. That was one dirty bird here. Watch this. It says, is that enough to kill the harmful bacteria? The heat of the oven, the answer was the heat of the oven kills the bacteria. Scrubbing the turkey with bleach makes it inedible. So don't do it. And two more, and this is, one, this is one of my favorites. These are the top two right here. Um, this one called in and says, I didn't want to cook the whole turkey, so I cut it in half with my chainsaw. Watch this. How do I get the chainsaw oil out of the turkey? The, the answer, the answer, toss the turkey and go get some turkey hot dogs. That was a good one, man. And listen to this one because it kind of connects with the church sometimes. Hopefully not. This is this turkey I found in a freezer, and I looked at the date, and it's actually 23 years old. Is it safe to eat? The Butterball advised caller, uh, or the, the expert, advised that the bird was safe to eat if it kept at a certain temperature for all of those years, but it probably wouldn't taste very good at all. That's what we thought, the caller said. It doesn't matter. We're giving it to the church. Jiminy. Okay, I don't know if I'll ever get you back, but here we go. Huh? Sure, you can take that home with you, right there. Pass that collection basket again, will you? One, one fellow was frantically looking and threw out his Bible, and there's a desperate look on his face when his friend came up and simply asked, is there something wrong? He said, yes, there's something wrong. He said, for the life of me, I can't remember if the Thanksgiving story is in the Old Testament or the New Testament. <laughs> After I read that this week, and that's, that's where I started from, actually, and I thought about that for a moment, and I said, actually, it's found throughout the entire Bible, isn't it? It's found both in the Old Testament and the New Testament. And I want to share some with you today. As we go into this week, of thanksgiving and how blessed we truly are to live in this country, have the freedoms that we have, and enough food to feed more than our family. We truly are blessed, aren't we? Truly are. But let's look at a couple of the stories of thankful. Look at thankful hearts a little bit, if we can, together in the old and the new. So let's start the old, of course. Hannah. Hannah was a sad, depressed woman. She wanted a child, and she just couldn't have a child. She couldn't give her husband a, a child. And, of course, it was a, a reward, if you will, from God, thinking at that, and at that time. And there was no doubt that she felt in her heart that she was rejected by God himself. And even though other people may have loved her, the rejection of God, even in our lives, can make us feel as though no one can love me if God can't love me because he must have rejected me in some way or some fashion. 
And so the key for us to remember is in our lives that no matter what, and to teach people and to tell others that no matter our circumstances, no matter what we've done and no matter where we've been and no matter what we've been through in our lives, that there is a God that loves us unconditionally. And that with knowing that love and receiving that love for ourselves, we can allow others to love us and we can love others that seem in our lives unlovable. God has called us to do that. So the story is found there in First Samuel chapter 1. You can read the entire thing for yourself. But once when they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, Hannah stood up. Now Eli, the priest, was sitting in the chair by the doorpost of the Lord's temple. In bitterness of soul. Do you catch that? Her heart was totally broken. This woman would not stop weeping if you read the entire story. She wept and she wept. And so she stands up and she goes before the Lord. And she she makes this vow to the Lord. She says, Oh Lord Almighty, if you will only look upon your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life. And of course, we know the story and how beautiful it is. And it turns out, and she's given a son and his name is Samuel. And he becomes this great prophet of God. And she does exactly what she promised the Lord to do. Well, if you move down in 1 Samuel chapter 2, you begin to read Hannah's prayer. It's a beautiful prayer. If you've never read it, I would encourage you. It takes you just a few moments to do so. But here you you see her, her thankful heart that is poured out before God. And I'm asking you today, have you thanked God for what God has blessed you with? Thanking Him, being a thankful person. Then Hannah prayed and said these words, my heart rejoices in the Lord. Just to say those words, my heart rejoices in you, O God. There is no one holy like the Lord. There is no one besides you. Can you feel her thankful heart? Her bitterness turns to joy. Even though she has made this vow before God and going to give her son to Eli and and he's going to become this prophet and she does that, she rejoices with a thankful heart to the Lord. And I just got to stop there for a second on verse number 8. When I pulled this up yesterday again, I said, I got to put this verse in because she comes back and she even shares with us, I think today, is for the foundations of the earth are the Lord's. To know that He holds us in the palm of His hands. To be thankful that He spins the earth just at the right speed to keep us here. Not out there somewhere else. The sun at just the right distance so that we're not burned up. The moon at just the right speed in which causes the oceans to shift with the tide. It's amazing, isn't it? Lord's. On them he has set the world. And he placed us in it to have a thankful, a thankful heart. We move on to First Kings then. This is an interesting story that unfolds. This is a story of actually of David, King David. King David and later in his life, he he, you know, he does he becomes this, he's this great young man, and then he has this era in his life that is just a mess. It's a mess. Can we get there? Somebody might be there today. If you're there, listen up closely. There's good news. You could have started off good. You may be in a mess, but I want to tell you, you can end good too. I want to tell you that God is a God that can change things. 
God is a God that still loves you. And so here's David in his palace later in his life, and he's looking down, and he has all of this splendor, and he looks at the Lord's, the, 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 the Ark of the Covenant, and he sees this little tent, and he's, I want to make something for the Lord, a temple to the Lord that's just absolutely beautiful. I want to do that for you, God. And God says, no, you're not going to do it. I'll let you gather all the materials up, but I'm going to allow your son to be able to do that. And so later on, as you read down through there in this particular reading in uh, 1 Kings 8, then it says Solomon stood. This is right afterwards, and this is just dedication. Notice it's another prayer. It's another beautiful prayer. Read it. And he comes out and he says to the people, Then Solomon stood before the altar of the Lord in front of the whole assembly of Israel, spread out his hands toward the heavens. This is where we lift our holy hands, Paul says in Scripture. This is what we do because God has called us, but God has blessed us so much. You ever stretched your arms out to the Lord? It's not just something another group does. It's what God's people do. Give it a shot. Don't hurt my feelings bit. It's that God has blessed us, and here is the leader of this great, great nation now, and he's standing before there. And then he, as he lifts his arms up, what does he do? He says, O Lord, God of Israel, there is no God like you in heaven or earth below. O Lord, God of Israel, there is no God like you in heaven above. So when we get the song, he cries it out before, there's none like you, O God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Oh, how thankful he was. Now, if you move to the New Testament, of course, you're gonna, we're going to look at the book of Luke here real quick for just a few moments. And in the book of Luke, it's a beautiful book to study. We've been doing that this last quarter in our Bible class on Wednesday night. If you missed out, you missed out. But here's the great thing. It's still in the Bible. You can read it. In my Bible, it tells me it takes about an hour and 30 minutes. With dyslexia, and I have, it takes me about two hours and 45 minutes to tell you the truth. So I let my wife read it to me, and I can absorb it a little bit better. But Luke is a wonderful study. Luke is starting out, and he's like, hey, I don't know if this stuff is it or not. I want to check it out. I'm going to examine it. And he does. He looks at all of it, and he displays it, and he shows you. And so take time. Maybe in the next week, can you take 30 minutes a pop? You know those sitcom that you've seen 15 times and you're watching it again? Could you take that 30 minutes and just go click and say, wow, didn't know that. So just in the book of Luke itself is an interesting story. Here's another story about a young lady that hasn't given birth and she longs to have a child. She longs to have a child. And of course her name is Elizabeth. We know pretty much the story, and it begins in verse 5. In the time of Herod, the king of Judah, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of, and I'm not sure how to pronounce it, but his wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. This is, this is Aaron. This is Moses' brother, and so they're, they're good. But watch what it says about them, because verse number 6 caught my attention, and I put it in bold for myself to, to read and, and, and to grasp, because it says, both of them were righteous in the sight of God. Observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. Oh my. If you read too fast, you miss that. 
If you read too fast, you simply say, ah, God doesn't really care about us. God notices what we do. God notices our hearts. God knows where you're at in your life and your walk with Him. And here He lets Scripture, the Holy Scripture, tell us about two people. And He says they're righteous in the sight of God. They're blameless because they're obedient to the Lord. If someone were to write a sentence about your walk with Christ, what would it say? What would they say about you in one sentence? In your walk with Christ. Not all the money you have, not all the things you've accumulated, not all the degrees that you might carry, but one sentence about you and your walk with Christ, what would they say? Two years ago today, market. Two years ago today, we lost a wonderful man of this church. And I was privileged to write several sentences about him and to describe him to those that came to mourn. But I'll just give you a single word to describe that man. I don't need a sentence. Integrity. Verse 7. It goes on down to say in verse number seven there, but they were childless because but they were childless because Elizabeth Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very, very old. I want you to know something today. If you are of age, and I don't know what that means, because when I was thirty, I thought sixty was ancient. But I'm sixty, and I don't I don't feel like thirty, but I I'm not ancient yet. Okay. Here's my point. God has no problem with your age. He doesn't have a problem with your age. How do I know that? Because when Sarah and Abraham were past age, these two folks here were old. They knew they weren't going to have any children. They knew that it was impossible. But with God, all things are... Amen. God doesn't have a problem with your age. God can use you in your older age sometimes better than when you're younger. You have this wealth of knowledge. In fact, I love to be around elderly people that love the Lord their entire lives. I'll tell you why. It's because they got a bank of wealth, the wealth of God within them. And if you'll just take time, if you'll just take time to pause for a moment, and I, 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 I pick on Ethel a lot. But Ethel allows me to do that because she knows I love her so much. If you want to be blessed, get a bowl of soup and some cornbread and share about an hour with that lady, and I will guarantee you, you will be blessed because of what she has been through in her life, but how she has held up God in her life. You want a good story? Ask the lady on the back pew back there holding her little great-granddaughter, Miss Betty. Thousands of little children touched by her. Get a story. Grab one. And then when you grab them, make many for yourself. So that when you get there, someone might bring you a bowl of soup and some cornbread and say, tell me the story of Jesus. 
Because see, the story of Jesus is what you've been through and how He's carried you through it. Share it and be thankful. Of course, we know Elizabeth becomes pregnant. Oh, hallelujah, she says. We know that because Elizabeth is now carrying John, the first cousin of Jesus, the Messiah. John the Baptist, as we know. He ate some funny things. He wore some funny things. But he's a child given. He's the announcer of the Messiah. I wouldn't care what I wore. I wouldn't care what I had to eat. If I got to be the announcer of the Messiah, how about you? Crickets sound pretty good. Locusts. Fry them up. They say they taste like chicken. But after his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. I don't know if she just wanted to not show anybody her bump or she was just simply saying, you know what? I'm going to take five months and just praise Jesus alone. God alone. The Lord has done this. Notice what she says. The Lord has done this. Thankful. Is anybody in here a Christian? Lord has done this for me. Thankful hearts. The Lord has done this for me. In these days He has shown His favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. If you move down just a little bit further, and we'll get to his, her story and his story more next month, of course. But in this one, in Luke 1, it's called Mary's Song. Mary comes, and of course, to Elizabeth, and, and they spend time together there just before uh, Elizabeth is to give birth, and all of those things take place. Beautiful. But here is the, here's the Messiah's mother, Mary, the one that was chosen by God, and, 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 and here it's a beautiful, and, and also it's more like a prayer. It reads like a prayer, and I would encourage you to read that. Catholics know it by heart. They quote it nearly every day. Have you ever read it? Listen to what she says. My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. See the thankful heart? She's so thankful, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant, even humble after being chosen. Humble in this state. It's an amazing story. We'll visit it again next month. Maybe in some detail there. And then there's Luke chapter 17. In Luke chapter 17, it's kind of a sad thing and a happy thing, kind of mixed together. It's sad because of those that return or don't return. I have a complete message on this one right here. Are you one of the nine or are you one? I probably need to do that after the first of the year sometime too and spend some time in that because this, this passage, just these few verses really speaks great volumes to those of us that are following Christ. But in it today, I would just simply say, now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into the village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance because, see, this was the law. The law of the land was when they were put out, they were put in basically quarantine. They had a particular spot where they could be at. No one could be around them whatsoever. In fact, if you came close to where they were, they were commanded by law to put to death is that they had to shout out, unclean, unclean. 
So they stood at a distance and they called out in a loud voice. Notice this, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. Listen, when Jesus is present, even at a distance, you will know who he is if you're looking for him. They were looking for him. Save us, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, here's his mercy, here's his grace, here's his compassion. Go show yourself to the priest because we knew that was also in the law. They had to go to the priest to get uh, checked out to say, okay, it's okay for you to go back into society. And they would. Now notice, and as they went, they were cleansed. Imagine that. Jesus knew what was going to take place. One of them, one of them, when he saw that he was healed, he came back and he praising God in a loud voice. And watch this. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. The most unlikely. The most unlikely of them all was the only one that returned to say thank you. Perhaps it was because he was an outcast his entire life. He was spit upon by society long before he became with this leprosy hit him. And now he's even worse. But now he's whole because of the presence of Jesus. And he couldn't help but return and praise him and thank him. Wow. In Psalms 100, it says, We enter His gates with thanksgiving in our hearts. We enter this courts with praise. Another song that we sang this morning, we picked it out. Psalms 106, Praise the Lord, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His love endures forever. Another song that we sing. First Thessalonians chapter 5, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Notice that verse. Think about it for a moment. Ephesians 5 says, Always give thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Neither one of these two verses, neither one of them are, of these verses are recommendations and or suggestions. They're commands. They're commands for us as Christians to be thankful. We are to be thankful. We're to be thankful. In all circumstances, things are looking bad. Economy's here. This is happening. Yes, but I'm thankful God is my God. This is not going good. This isn't looking good. But yes, but I'm thankful that God is in control and I'm not. Being thankful in all situations. Someone has said it rightfully so, that an ungrateful man is like a hog under a tree eating acorns, but never looking up to see where they come from. Hey, we look up. May we look up and know that our God has blessed us. I think of the words that we sang earlier before I got up here. When upon life's billows you are tempest-tossed, when you are discouraged thinking all is lost, oh, count your many blessings, name them one by one, oh, and it will surprise you what the Lord has done. You see, some people are here today. You may have just gone through a tough week a tough month, a tough year. Because you see, people that are broken come to church. And you know exactly the truth of that, don't you? People that are hurting come to church. People that are struggling come to church. People that are in pain inside and out 
physically or mentally or spiritually. They're broken and they feel like this. And when upon life's billows you are tempest-tossed, and you think about that and you say, I'm so discouraged. There's no hope. All is lost. You may feel like that. You may have had one of those rough weeks, rough months, rough years. I understand. But for nothing else, if for nothing else, aren't you thankful that this world is not your permanent home? Aren't you thankful that God has promised you that heaven is real and you're going to like it? Isn't it good? I'm thankful. I'm so thankful that heaven is real. It's not just a fairy tale. Close the book. Sleep good, sweetheart. That heaven is real. I close the book and I can just... I can't even imagine it, but I want to and I tried to. You ever try to imagine heaven? Ever really try to imagine the glory of heaven? It just kind of makes you feel good all over, doesn't it? Because whatever you can imagine, whatever you can fathom is the greatest of the greatest, this would be just perfect. It's beyond. Isn't that awesome? You can't be thankful for that if you're a Christian man. Somebody needs to put a new battery in you because something's messed up. A thankful heart shows. Are you thankful? Does it show? I said this probably, I don't know, maybe the last 10 Thanksgivings, but I'll say it again. Give yourself this little test. Maybe perhaps you haven't done it. I would challenge you to everybody to do it. And, and if you want to, it would be fun doing it with uh, you know, your husband or your wife or your, even your kids. It would be interesting to see. Just take a piece of paper and have everybody sit down and set a timer. You can do it within five minutes or so. Just set on the timer, maybe two, three minutes. That's it. You don't want to make it real long because then you have to think too much. So just make it maybe two or three minutes at the most, set the timer, and then when you set that timer, uh, um, write down on a piece of paper all the bad things that you have gone through, the things that have brought you hurt and pain and sorrow and, and all that other stuff that you know, yucky stuff of life. Write them down as fast as you can. Don't say them out loud, just write them down as fast as you can. Boom, 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 boom. The loss of a loved one. Surgery, health, disobedient child, marriage problems, money issues, work, stress, hairball on the carpet, whatever it is, write it down. Bad stuff. You don't like it. Ding, timer goes off. Okay, then set the timer again for the exact same time, two to three minutes, boom, start it. And when you're finished, do that and set that timer again. You still, and then write down all the things that you're thankful for. The things that you're thankful for. You know, all the ones that you just listed are true in your life. But the ones that you're about to list, they're also true in your life. And you get to choose which one trumps the other. Write down, write down the good things. You still have your loved one. Your surgery was a success, praise God. Your health is much better than someone that you know. You still have your children. You still have the ring on your finger. You had enough money to buy the car, to buy the house, to buy the meal in just a few minutes. You still have the job, and you found someone that wanted to adopt your cat. 
Now, all you cat lovers, I know what I'm going to get this week. Just kidding. But you get the picture. Hopefully you get the picture. Is that yes, those top, those, those bad things have and it's ugly and it hurts and you don't want them and you don't like them. Most of us in this room probably have a scar from when we were a child. You know, fell out of a tree, brother hit you with a rake. Whatever the case is, something has occurred and you have a scar. You didn't like it. You don't like it today. But it reminds you of what you've been through. But all of us also in this room have something. And that's a memory of something that's good. A brother that did love you, even though he hit you with a rake. My brother's in heaven and he hit me with a lot of rakes. But I still love him. And I'm thankful that he had given his life to Christ long before I ever did. And a man of God more than I will ever be. I'm thankful. All circumstances. All of them. First Thessalonians 5. As I close, let me ask you this question. Now that you know that God loved you enough, and, and it's almost like, I don't know if the right word is a, a cliche. We say it and it's just like, yeah, he's about to close. It's, no, listen. Now that you know that God loved you enough to send his one and only son to this world to live and to die in your place, in your place, so that you could live with him for eternity, does that cause you to be thankful If so, how? How? You have to answer that question. In your obedience, are you thankful? In your commitments to Him, are you thankful? In your giving to Him, in your attendance, in your prayer time, in your study time, are you thankful? Then if not, then I believe that this Thanksgiving season is the perfect time the perfect time to get back into giving thanks in all circumstances. Don't you? Maybe today. Maybe today. You want to acknowledge that God is real and that Jesus Christ died for you. And you want everybody in this room to know that you are thankful. And you want to give your life to Jesus Christ. That's our prayer for you if you don't know Jesus. It will always be our prayer for you if you don't know Jesus. Maybe you're thinking about that. Maybe you don't want to walk in front of people because everybody's going to look at you. You know, no, you know what they're going to do here at Western Hills? They're not going to be looking at you. They might be looking at you, but let me tell you what they're thinking. They're not thinking, oh, I wonder what she did. I wonder what he did. I bet there it is. I did. No, 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 no. Let me tell you what our church family does. We are praising God. When anyone walks an aisle, we are thankful to God that His Word is the truth and His Word still penetrates the hearts of those that would come and listen like you have today. So if you've never given your heart to Christ, give it today. Oh, my friend. In fact, it says that if you do the angels, it's the only thing that the angels that we're told that they are actually doing on this part is that when we, when a sinner comes, angels rejoice. 
It is that God is anticipating your coming, your coming back, your return. And when He does, get ready, boys. Celebration's about to explode. So don't wait, don't hesitate. Maybe you don't want to come now. Maybe you want, we'll think about it this afternoon. Give us a call. Maybe you think about it on the way out. Tell a friend. But I would also say today, of course, if you're here and you need a prayer and you see that, you know, yeah, the, it's been rough, but you've really now looked at the blessing and you just want to give God glory and praise. We stand ready to pray with you today. We don't judge you. It's not our place. God loves you. We love you. So whatever your need is today, we offer an invitation song so that you might come forward and we'll be here for you and with you. I promise you all the way. Whatever your need is, you come as we do stand and sing.